good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? This is a good day, isn't it? Well, this is a day that the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice. We're going to be glad in it because God has good things today. You know what? If you walked in here with problems and situations in your life that you're looking for answers, leave your burdens at the door because we believe God is going to lift burdens today and, and provide you with blessing instead of that burden, and he's going to provide you with answers in his grace. This is good. We welcome you today. If you're a guest with us this morning, we welcome you also. Uh, I don't know what color the cards are. We switch cards. I don't know if the new ones are out yet. They are. Okay. Oh, there they are. Okay. I wasn't all that observant walking down the aisle. But uh, take that white and black card, fill it out, and we're going to send you a note this week, a letter expressing appreciation. We're glad you're here today. And uh, we, we love you. We're glad that you're in the house of the Lord this morning. I normally have you stand when I read the word, but I want you to stay seated because I have a comment about the word this morning that, uh, that I think is important. I'm going to read from Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2. And the reason I'm doing that is because I, you know, I was thinking about all of the things that are going on in our world, even the violence that is in Charlottesville, Virginia this morning. I have a pastor friend there that uh, I, I thought of him this morning. I thought, oh my goodness, I wonder what he's doing today. I know what I'm doing, but uh, I wonder what he's doing. And I thought of this psalm, and I think it's appropriate. Let me share it with you. Psalm, uh, psalm 2, verse 1, it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? And the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and in distress them with his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion, and I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give to you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces with a potter's vessel. Now therefore, be wise, O kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are those, listen to this, the last line, blessed are those who put their trust in him. You know, you just look out and and you, uh, this, this psalm describes our world. This psalm describes our country. And it begins and says, why do the nations rage? Why do they plot against God? What's going on here? And God says, I'm above all of that. And um, I came across an illustration here, and just pardon me for taking this moment, but the captain of the 7th Fleet flagship, the USS Missouri, 
maybe you've heard a part of this, ordered the signal man to radio ahead when an obstacle appeared on the radar screen. And he uh, gave the command to move 20 degrees to the starboard. The abrupt answer came right back and said, you move 20 degrees to the starboard. And again, the captain said, doesn't he know who I am? And the answer came back, I am seaman second class. Move 20 degrees to the starboard. Now the captain is enraged and he ordered, this is the battleship Missouri. And we can blow you and we will blow you right out of the water if you don't move. The radio man radio back, I am the lighthouse. You know, I thought this was so appropriate. God is the lighthouse, and we're telling God many times in our behaviors as a nation, as a behaviors through across the world, move aside. We don't need your restraints. We're not interested in your counsel. We are plotting against you. As a matter of fact, we will do as we please. And God says, no, you won't. Because he says, I hold them in derision. And so I want us to pray this morning. Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray for your help. I pray for your hope that you would bring into people's lives. Father, I pray that in this day of troubling things that are occurring around the world, in our own nation, and and in international situations, I pray that there might be wisdom, that there truly might be leadership that would pause for that moment and say, let us seek the will of God. Let us find the desire of God. And so, Father, I pray, I pray earnestly for that in the name of Jesus. You desire us to live in peace. And the biggest reason for that is so that the gospel may spread even more rapidly in a season of peace. So, Father, we pray for that divine help and that divine intervention. Father, I pray for folks that are right here in this church service today. I pray that you will lift them up and encourage them. Father, I pray for those that need the touch of healing in their body. May the healer himself come and minister powerful ways into people's lives and their bodies and giving them new hope and, and blessing them with wholeness and health. Father, I pray for those that have walked in here with worries upon their lives, worried about so many things in this world. There are, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of things we worry about. Father, I pray that you'll put our minds and our hearts at ease. Help us to realize that you know the future. You've already seen it. You know what's ahead. And you have declared unto us that I will guide you. I will give you firm guidance with my hand. I will lay my hand upon your life and I will show you a better way, a pathway that I lay out for you. So Father, I pray. I pray may we be people of, of encouragement. May we be people of, uh, uh, of, of boldness in our witness and in our life and in our living. So Father, I pray that your spirit would move in a mighty way in this church service today. Speak into our hearts. Speak through the word. Speak through the music. 
I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. My message today is titled, The Boat or the Water? And maybe you've heard this passage before, but it's uh, about Peter and the disciples in a boat, and Jesus is out on the water, and Jesus invites Peter to join him out on the water, and he begins to walk then on water. And maybe you've heard that story in Sunday school, or uh, remember that as a kid, or maybe you've never heard this before, and today will be the first time you hear it. And it's a really great passage. As a kid, I was absolutely convinced that I could walk on water. I mean, you laugh, but I'm dead serious. I thought I could. I thought I had. And uh, I remember even to the point of, of being in a Sunday school class, and we were reviewing this story, and, and I sort of volunteered myself to, to, to let everybody in the room know I indeed had walked on water, and which the Sunday school teacher, you know, obviously, let's just put these things together, that's not likely, and brought it to my parents, you know, did you know Russell's telling people that he could walk on water, and, you know, like, uh, as I've heard teachers say, uh, don't believe everything that happens in class, right, and, and those types of things, but they just wanted to check it out, see if uh, this story was really adding up to what I was saying it was, and, and so sort of being questioned, why do you believe this? And when I was a kid, our family used to go up on vacation in Minnesota, and uh, there was one season that it had rained so much that the water line was right over the dock. And so for me, the experience of walking on water, I remembered that as a kid. Being able to walk right out on the dock, kind of on that, you know, little, and I was, I was doing it. See, nobody else knew that, though, in the room, but I was convinced I had walked on water. Later on in that story, though, my mom, I remember her coming in on a fishing excursion with my aunt, and they docked up to this dock that was underneath the water, and I went out to meet them and slipped on the water that was on the dock and fell in the water. And, and so I can identify a little bit more, too, with Peter when he fell as he was walking on the water. But my aunt jumped in to save me, and it was, you know, the story goes from there. But I think that traumatizing event is what made me remember walking on the water so much. And I just want to clarify, I was a young kid. I wasn't like a junior in high school or anything. And so just making that point clear, too. You know, and as a kid, you're excited to tell people, look, I've done that, you know. I mean, this experience, that's cool. But I just think, how many of you know somebody that uh, they're kind of the one-upper? And what I mean by that is anytime you have a conversation with them, they always have a story that they'd like to share that's better than your story, all right? Everybody knows one of those individuals. I remember Brady and I were somewhere one time, and uh, everybody was kind of introducing themselves at the table, and it was story after story after story, and this person would lead in with, well, that's nothing. I got, and then they would go into their story. I remember driving home with Brady, and I said, that person won up, I think, every story that was told at the table. And I think, you know, one person that I think probably might have been a one-upper is probably the disciple Peter. And he had probably the best one-upper out of anybody. You know, oh, what do you do? What, oh, oh, that's great. You're a fisherman? Well, I walked on water. You know, like he, he had sort of that one-up story and being able to share his experience and what God did. In this passage, uh, Matthew 14, we can look at this and there are preachers who will take this passage, and you can preach on this one a lot of different ways. There's a lot going on in this passage, and I'll do my best to present to you what the Lord has placed on my heart with this passage this week. 
But before we get into the word and we start weighing on what the Lord has for us, I'd just like to take a moment to start with a word of prayer. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray and just ask the Lord to prepare our hearts. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together around the word of God. And I pray, Father, as, as we read from Matthew 14, in this story, this real encounter and event that Peter had with you, I pray we would glean from it, we would learn from it, things in our life that we can apply. And so, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're in Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. I'm going to kind of read a little bit, and then we're going to stop the boat, if you will, and, and weigh on this a little bit, and then keep reading. So as we go, just keep your Bibles open to Matthew 14. So in verse 22... Matthew says that immediately after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which he then sent people home, the people being the, the ones he had just fed. And after sending them home, Jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray. And I just want to stop right there. Because we can look at this passage and run right to that moment when Peter's out on the water with Jesus. But I want to take a moment to highlight this part of the passage. That Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, one person of the Trinity, taking time, setting it aside, going off by himself to pray to his Father. This was important to him. Jesus often pulled himself away from the crowds and away from all the activity that was happening so that he could be alone with the Father. And if Jesus himself needed this time, how much more should we need that time? So important. Time alone with God is essential to the spiritual well-being of every Christian. And as I was weighing on this this week, let's just get real for a second, okay? Because I think that there are pry some people who would agree with me on this. I just kind of, by show of heads, you don't have to raise your hand, but just kind of let me know by, uh, if this is something that you've walked through. But has there ever been a moment or a season in your life when you really just didn't feel like praying? I know I've been there, and in some ways it's embarrassing to admit that, but I think the reality of it is sometimes we can maybe be too tired and then prayer might cross our mind, but then we push it off saying, you know, I just, I'm exhausted. Or maybe we're too busy to even stop and consider that time alone with the Father. Or too distracted. Or, or maybe sometimes we might be in a season where we're angry. And so we just don't want to go to him in prayer. As I was preparing and, and reading for this message... I want to highlight to you some notes here that I read in one of my study Bibles, and it says that the lack of desire to pray is an unmistakable sign that one's spiritual life is in the process of decline. And so when those moments creep in where we just don't feel like praying, let this be a moment where we just, we, we really think about maybe where we're at in our spiritual temperature, if you will. If this is happening, we must take a hard look at our lives and remove anything 
that offends God or gets in the way of our relationship with Him. And so just as Jesus recognized that alone time with the Father, let's all recognize our need to be in fellowship with the Father. Continuing on as we've walked through that, let's pick up now in Matthew 24. The Bible says that meanwhile, so while Jesus was alone in his time with the Father, it says, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, you can read this passage in Matthew 14. You can find it in Mark chapter 6 and you can find it in John chapter 6. And there's some details that some of these other writers have about this. But I want to give us a little bit of a scene, right? Jesus is off alone praying, sends the disciples. This would have been about 5 or 6, five or six o'clock at night. Disciples head out, okay? One of the writers says they were about three miles in on the water. That's like from here to Highway 3. And they, and they said the time that they see Jesus, it's about 3 a.m. So about nine hours in the boat just to get where they were. I mean, think about that. At the pace that you and I, were, we can walk, we can get farther than that in, in nine hours. But here they are out in the boat. It's like the wind is, every moment they go forward, guess what? They're going right back. They were just fighting the wind and the waves. They were probably getting a little scared, too. I mean, nine hours, that's intense. If I, 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 if I, if I said this sermon's going to be nine hours long, some of you would go, oh, man. <laughs> but out on a boat fighting the wind, I mean, the intensity and the energy that's expended as they're doing this, nine hours. In verse 25, it says at about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. They were absolutely terrified. They didn't know what was happening, who that was. And so they say, it's a ghost. Now listen, I debated all week whether or not to put this in my message today. But I'm going to. And it's this point. Some people might look at this passage and say, see, ghosts exist. Look, people will take any scripture they want to fit whatever it is that they want to do and see and all that kind of stuff. But I thought this would be a great moment to just sort of stop and, and just give a, uh, maybe a word of caution and warning to us regarding this. Just because they say that. Let me just rephrase what they just said. It says, it's a ghost. Let me rephrase that. It's an evil spirit. They thought there was an evil spirit out on the water. They were scared. And sometimes we, you know, you look at Casper the friendly ghost and all that kind of stuff. Look, ghosts, bottom line, evil spirits. Some people will look at that and say, well, there was this little girl. We took a picture one time and there was this random little girl in the background or whatever. Evil spirit. Don't play around with this kind of stuff. Anytime there's any type of ghost or any story or whatever, I just want you to think evil spirit. Anytime something like that ever shows up where you're at, you have full permission and authority through Jesus Christ to tell that evil spirit where to go. Ghost, evil spirit. We have a society that's fascinated with this stuff, so that's why I was going back and forth, back and forth, 
all week on whether or not to stop and talk about that. We got shows and paranormal activity, just fascination, and we want more. We want to know more. And I remember my childhood pastor, when I brought my fascination to the table one time, he just said, Russ, why would you open your spiritual window to that kind of stuff? Close it. Don't play around with it. Close it. So they think it's a ghost, but then Jesus spoke to them. We're in verse 27. He spoke to them at once and said, Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And those words right there, the translation of I am here, Jesus is literally saying, I am is here. The I am refers back to, it's the same I am that was speaking to Moses through the burning bush, is out there on the water. When Moses was going, how in the world am I going to tell the Israelites that you sent me? And then God says, well, tell them I am sent you. And the same God that Israel recognized, now the disciples are recognizing out on the water. They know it's Jesus. They recognize him now. It's not an evil spirit. It's Jesus. So then Peter calls out to him. He says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. And then Jesus said, come. That invitation to step out of the boat and out onto the water, a divine invitation. I really felt this week that God wanted me to stop right there uh, and talk a little bit about that for a moment. That invitation. Because it's quite possible that there's somebody sitting in this room or listening to this message. And you feel like that invitation to come and join God is not on the table. That maybe because of the things you've done in your past or the the places you've been or the people you've ran around with or the family you're from or whatever, you feel like the invitation that God extends out to everyone is not for you. We were just in our, our baptism class this morning and, and talking through about the amazing story of, of how a, a God would take a guy like Paul who hated Christians did everything in his power to work against them, persecuting them, leading this charge against them. Why would God take somebody like that and then use them? And it comes down to the word grace. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, God has written me off, I'm telling you, that is straight from the pit of hell. Because God's grace extends to everybody, no matter what you've done and the things you've been a part of. Today is a new day, and God is extending that invitation to you. A divine invitation to join him and what he would want to do in your life. So continuing on in the passage, it says, Peter went over the side of the boat, and he began to walk on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified, and he began to sink. And he said, Save me, Lord. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and said, You of little faith, why did you doubt me? I think it's interesting that Jesus says it that way because I think it's important to look at who 
was sustaining Peter on the water. He says, why did you doubt me? In other words, Jesus was the one holding Peter up. And then Peter began to look around at the circumstance and the situation going, man, how in the world is this happening? And in the water he goes. Well, then they climbed back into the boat and the wind stopped. And the disciples worshipped him and said, You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Now, when Mark talks about this passage, he says, The disciples had yet not put together the pieces that Jesus was the Son of God. They had just watched him feed 5,000 people. And Mark says, They all say that because their hearts were hardened. They said, Man, you really are the Son of God. They, they just, their hearts were so hard that they still couldn't see it, even after all the things that they had witnessed with Jesus. One of which they had witnessed earlier was when they crossed the Sea of Galilee the first time. Jesus was asleep in the boat. Storm comes up. Jesus, they wake him up, and he calms the storm. They had all witnessed that. Yet there was still a hardness in some of their hearts. I don't know if he's really the Son of God. But yet here's Peter with this faith. So I'm just going to ask him that if it's really him, invite me out onto the water. I, I have a feeling God can do something with this. Doesn't seem logical. Let's just jump out into something that just doesn't add up here. But the invitation was there. And that's the key part. Because I'm not preaching a message here that says just go do dumb stuff for God. Okay? The message is, if you feel prompted to do something, confirm it with God. And if the invitation's there, then do it. Then do it. We brought this boat in. And I thought it would be a neat way to just kind of illustrate maybe the things that, that take place when we have decisions in our life and things in our life that require a little bit of faith. And I'm going to step in this. And it... Whoa. We're good. Sermon in the boat. But here's the thing. Sometimes I think in life, you know when God's speaking to you. You can, you can sense it. The Holy Spirit is weighing on you and prompting you. And, and there's some decisions in your life and things you're weighing out. doesn't matter what age you are. doesn't matter what you do. God's prompting you. He's speaking to you. And we're all sitting in a boat. And our boats look a lot different from one person to the next. And, and as Jesus invites us out to experience him and the things that he wants to do in our life, in our human nature, we can just sit here, kind of gripping the edge, and just ponder and daydream what it would be like if we actually got out of the boat. And so then what, what could some of the boats be then that we're in? And just thinking about that this week, I'm thinking, one is the boat of sin. I mean, let's face it, that's, that's our nature. And so sometimes there's things that we are holding on to that we're not ready to confess over to God yet. And we can look out in life and we could say, man, what would life be like if I wasn't dragging around this sin all the time? And God's, he's leading us to that point to step out of that. 
trust him by faith, but yet we, we just sit here. We, we, we enjoy sin maybe too much. Or maybe the, the process of, of confessing that sin is you just feel it's going to be too hard. And so here you sit in your boat. And in a lot of ways, that illustration, you'll just sit here anchored. You won't go anywhere until you get right with God and whatever sin that is. The other thing I thought about was sometimes it can be fear. You know, maybe this boat is, is fear. We just sit in this and we look out onto this water. And I want to draw out a point here, too, that, you know, Jesus didn't calm the water first and then ask Peter to step out on the boat. I mean, let's highlight that. The, the waves were stormy and things were going. And sometimes there's situations that, that we find ourselves in. We go, if conditions were just right, then I'll do it. But the reality of it is, is sometimes the decisions we have to make are right in the middle of the storm. And we still have to step out of the boat, face our fear, recognize that, yeah, we're human, we're going to have fear, but God's calling us out of our fear. Maybe another aspect of that is, is failure. If I step out of this boat and look like a complete idiot, I wish I'd rather stayed in the boat. How many of you have ever been there on that one? Okay. A little bit of element of that, though, is fear. I don't want to fail. I don't want to look stupid. Look, I'm sure Peter felt a little bit embarrassed when he sank, but yet there Christ was to pick him up out of the water. And I think that's important to recognize in this passage, too. So fear, failure, sin. I want to speak to the, the kids going to school Boy, this boat could be a boat of popularity. Man, we don't want to look like a dumb Christian as people might see Christians out to be on social media and on all kinds of things. But yeah, listen, Christ wants you to take a stand for him at school. Christ wants you to take a stand for him in your sports and activities and all kinds of stuff like that. There's going to be moments you're going to have to step out of the boat. Don't sink back into fear of what people might think and how this all plays out. Some of you, you're on fire. You got back from a lot of time at Bible camp. I remember those seasons. You're pumped up for the Lord. Then you go back to school. And then the real world starts coming at you. And so you start to shrink back. Don't do that. Recognize... God's got way more for you than that, than to just keep you in the boat. So the big question then today is, what is your boat? You know, what, what boat are you in right now? You, you can be sitting here right now and you go, I have never put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Then right now you're in a boat and you need you need to walk out in faith in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you, you have a relationship with Christ, but you recognize there's things you're walking through right now that you need, you need to step out of the boat on and, and put your faith in what God can do and experience Him. When I was 
back up in CTI in, in Minnesota. I was making lots of trips to and from, coming back home to see Brady, and, and I was still attending my church back in, in Manson, and they needed somebody to lead the adult Sunday school class. So they asked me, Russ, you should lead it. That, that wasn't really a question. It was more of a, you should do this. I said, I'll pray about it. Mm, no. And, uh, but the more I really prayed about it, uh, God revealed to me, Russ, you're going to learn a lot more if you're facilitating the class than if you just sit there every week and try to learn. So God put it on my heart to step up and lead people who were decades older than me, terrifying. And when I let them pick the study, I'm like, here's five studies. You guys pick them out. Guess what they picked out? If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat by John Ortberg. That's my first study. And that season of life, I'm telling you, I was up in Minnesota processing whether or not God was calling me out into pastoral ministries. It was, I mean, God just orchestrating all of this and teaching me so much in that process. And sometimes, you know, we get the questions that I would just love to experience God. And another way to translate that then is, if you want to experience more that God would have for you, then you need to put yourself in positions to do that. I've talked to many people over six years of pastoral ministries where I would just love to experience God, or I just want, but then they don't show up to church. It's like, why don't you just put yourself in an experience where God can speak to you? You know, I would love to do this. I would love to, then put yourself in an experience, in a situation that's going to allow that. Don't just sit in the boat and make statements like that. Get out there and start doing things that would put you in those positions. Here's the, this is my last little point here, and I have no idea how this illustration is going to work out. We're creatures of comfort, and I'm going to prove it to you. The blankie, right? Even as little kids, this is the one. He's staring at this right now. He's like, hey, what are you doing? It's working out. I did not know this was going to happen this way. You want this thing? You know what this is. I'm just going to keep backing up here. Oh, come on. We will go great lengths for what brings us comfort. And that's the point I wanted to make with that. I thought about that this morning. We will sit in our comfort when God's asking us to go great lengths, but we will go great lengths for the things that bring us comfort. And so my, my challenge is, is whatever it is that's holding you back, lay that before the Lord and say, I want to step out in obedience and faith and, and do what you're asking me to do. Will you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Father, I thank you so much for this passage, this account of what happened in in Peter's life and, and the lives of those who were there witnessing this. But then fast forward 2,000 years and here we are just processing what this whole story looks like. And Lord, I pray, I pray that as we walk through this passage, that for those you are prompting, 
to respond. I pray that there would be a response. For some in this room, it's to initiate that relationship with Jesus Christ, to step out by faith and say, today I want to be a new person. I want to step out by faith in Jesus and ask him for forgiveness of my sin and be that new person that walks in obedience to Jesus. And anybody in this room right now or listening right now that, that you want that relationship, you want to step out of the boat of sin and step into the new adventure and experience with Jesus Christ. And just pray with me this right where you're at. Just simply say in your heart, Jesus, today I place my faith and my trust in you. And I step out of my my old life stepping out of sin and just asking that you would forgive me of my past and the things that I've done. And I ask for forgiveness that you'd cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And today I want to walk in a relationship with you. And Father, too, for people who are here right now that they have that relationship with you, but there's situations they're going through that they need to step out. Step out by faith to what it is you're calling them to. Give them strength to do so. As you prompt, Lord, I pray we would respond. And we thank you for this now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, Pastor. Amen. It's been a great day. Would you stand with me, please? Good day, good day. Let's lift our hands for the blessing of God. Father, may the Lord bless and keep each person, each family, each individual. Father, we lift our hearts to you today. We know that you love us. We know that you care for us. Father, I pray that you'll help us to walk in all of your ways. Teach us to do that. Give us faith. Give us obedience. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.